show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago and it's gone right to my head. Wherever I may roam, on land or sea or foam, you can always hear me sing this song. Show me the way to go home. Hello and welcome to the virtual pub for some drinks, trivia and social history with absolutely no tasting notes. I'm Tim and I'm joined by my drinking buddy, Leary. What are we serving today then? Hi, are we all feeling better this week? Mm, mm. Yes, we've gone past the initial stage of the hangover to yes. what is now potentially part of the um, deal, I suppose. Health, we need health, don't we? Mm-hmm, Particularly mm-hmm. me this week, my husband's got the old cracking COVID. Great. Uh, I can tell you one thing, it is not cracking. Um, but yes, health in this house, I'm drinking kombucha. Mm-mm-mm. Kombucha, me too. That is not a coincidence. We are talking about kombucha. Um, yes. <laughs> what, uh, what variety have you got? Uh, I've got cherry kombucha. It's Welsh as well. It's a North Welsh company called... Oh, it made me think of Mighty Boosh. It was like Bushy Butcher or something. Bushy Butcher from North Wales. <laughs> <laughs> great. Great representation for your homeland there. Um, I Well, I've gone local as well. I've got a London kombucha called Momo. Um, and they are made um, near New Covent Garden Market, and they're all they're all very nice and very responsible. You know, soil, the Soil Association, and Bee Company, and all that kind of business. They make it all in small batches in um, brewed in glass, which as mm-hmm. we may or may not discuss is quite important um, in small batches. And mine is turmeric flavoured. Oh, it's got turmeric nice. juice as part of it, and it's very tasty. Um, oh. I'm drinking mine in a glass. Yeah, great. (laughs) But I popped a metal straw in there because I feel like a health influencer every time I drink this. Right. Perhaps you shouldn't put any metal in it, though. (laughs) Probably shouldn't, but hey. Nope. Nope. Oh, well. Maybe maybe that's not part of what you read in your research, but I certainly did. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, Right, should we crack on then and find out Um, a bit more about it? Am I going to poo myself because there's metal in there? (laughs) Well, you might give yourself heavy metal poisoning. Oh, I'm going to take that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. Okay. Um, well, let's let's see whether I've actually written that in my notes or not. We'll find out. Um, kombucha, <laughs> uh, for anyone who isn't aware, is a fermented, likely effervescent, sweetened black tea drink, commonly consumed for, um, as you said, supposedly its health benefits... Um, sometimes it's called kombucha tea to distinguish it from the culture of bacteria and yeast that grow within it. And then juice and spices and fruit or other flavorings are often added. Uh, kombucha is thought to have originated in China where the drink is traditional. I've seen references going back to at least around, um, 300 BCE or so, I think. Uh, there it is called Hongchajun which literally translates to black tea mushroom because it looks like it's got mushrooms growing in it. Uh, By the early 20th century, it had spread to Russia and then other parts of Eastern Europe and Germany. Uh, So kombucha is now brewed globally, often at home as well, uh, and also bottled and sold commercially. So what I thought was interesting is because obviously we did our tea episode Mm -hmm. um, quite a while back now, 
But we saw obviously that, that tea originated in China and its long history and all the varieties there. But tea spread throughout the world in sort of the you know 18th century, more or less. But not so with the fermenting of the tea, which although it was as historic in China, didn't really catch on until the 20th century throughout the rest of the world. So I thought that was interesting. Um, it has an alcohol content typically of less than 0.5%, um, which means obviously it has a little bit, but then so does, you know, orange juice. Uh, kombucha is not a federally regulated beverage in the United States. Um, prior to 2015, some commercially available kombucha brands were found to contain alcohol that were exceeding the threshold of 0.5. Mm. And that led to the development of new testing methods. Um, so we've, we, I found this generally in different countries, different regions that have different testing and different legislations for kombucha. It's assumed by people that it's going to be non-alcoholic. But that's not always the case. Sometimes <laughs> it is made with a little bit, you know, up to say maybe two or three percent. And of course, you can find yourself in a scenario whereby you haven't kept it cold and it has continued to ferment. So, um, yeah, it can be definitely alcoholic. sounds like something I do. Yeah. <laughs> just leave it on a shelf for a year and <laughs> stick a load of metal in it and let it ferment for another few days. <laughs> Uh, the kombucha market, though, now as a, as a relative newcomer, is still is huge. Um, it's about 1.7 billion US dollars as of 2019. So it's a big drinks market now. Right, so I said it was Chinese. However, um, I said that they, they call it something different. They call it the, uh, the Hong Chajun, uh, black tea mushroom. But So where, why do we call it kombucha then? Because... Um, the etymology is a bit uncertain, but we think it's a misapplied Japanese term, <laughs> which, you know, says a lot, I think, about how the West has embraced kombucha. Um, so in, in Japanese, the term kombucha or kobucha refers to kelp tea that's been made with powdered kombu. Uh, but that is a completely different drink from the fermented tea that we would associate with kombucha. So we think that English speakers mistook the Japanese word kombucha to just mean fermented tea, when in fact, fermented tea in Japanese is called kocha kinoku, <laughs> um, which they would call red tea mushroom. Um, or possibly because the, the sort of gelatinous film that is produced by the kombucha uh, culture was thought to resemble seaweed, which is, of course, kelp, which we've taken the name from. So it could either be that we've mistaken one drink for another, or we called it sea Japanese word for seaweed because of the way it can look. But either way, we've used Japanese words instead of Chinese words where it comes from. <laughs> um, so I've mentioned this, this mysterious film and mushroominess. Do you want to just jump in and tell us what that is? So people aren't kind of picturing a, a beer with uh, chanterelles just dropped into it. <laughs> you've uh, you've solved it really well, this weird gelatinous film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, so it's actually called a SCOBY. Um, and SCOBY is an abbreviation for, it doesn't actually sound much better than gelatinous film <laughs> yeah it's an abbreviation for symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast mm. all <laughs> oh, right so it's not it's not named after scooby-doo scooby-doo <laughs> Scooby it's not it's it's right, named okay. after bacteria and yeast you should know uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, would you like to tell me, Dare, would you like me to tell you a bit about it? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> You're going to make me do that then. I'm like, that wasn't our agreement. <laughs> tell me. Um, so, yeah, basically, um, kombucha is quite easy to brew at home. Um, it's easy to do. It'll save you money. And it's a great way to reduce any food waste as well, because you can pop all kinds of extra herbs and fruits and whatnot for flavoring. So whack it all in. Um, so it's a simple fermentation process um, using sugar, tea and aforementioned scoby. Um, so the best way to describe a scoby really is like, you know, when people in lockdown started making sourdough and everyone was mm-hmm. making sourdough starters <laughs> or buying sourdough starters, that's essentially what you need to get your kind of kombucha started is the scoby and a scoby starter so a lot of people also call it a kombucha mother which sounds like a great drag name (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure it Uh, exists somewhere so kombucha mother um starter or as you said mushroom because it does look like a slimy gray kind of pancakey blob um so it's used to start the fermentation process um and it needs sugar and yeast to feed on so as it's got that feed on it'll continue to grow adding new layers for every batch of kombucha that you make Uh, so it's a cellulose mat that houses bacteria and yeast cultures it's the same bacteria and yeast that give kombucha a lot of its health benefits that you mentioned um, it's a source of insoluble fiber, which studies have linked to gut health and improved in, uh, digestion. It's also been suggested that the scoby can help normalize blood sugar and cholesterol levels. So it's rather magical. Um, how to go about getting one or making one? Uh, so you've got three options. First two are the easy ones. Buy one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or two, get one off a friend. But if you can't do either of those, you can make it yourself. Um, to make a kombucha starter, you will need sugar, tea, water, and some pre-made unflavored kombucha that can be homemade from a friend or store-bought. Um, so while kombucha can be made with a variety of teas, black tea is ideal for making the scoby. You'll be fostering bacterial growth in this process, so keep all your utensils and equipment and hands nice and clean. Um, To start, combine the tea and the sugar with hot water to make a sweet tea, and then cool that to room temperature. Pour that into your clean glass jar with pre-made kombucha and stir to combine. Cover the top of the jar with a tightly woven cloth. You can use a napkin or a tea towel. Um, coffee filters or paper towels, whatever you've got, and secure that with a rubber band. You then place that at room temperature, out of direct sunlight, in an area where it's not going to get bothered or moved around. Leave that for a few days and some bubbles will start to gather on the surface. They will then collect into a film after a few more days, eventually forming a solid opaque layer. So kept at around 70 degrees Fahrenheit, it'll take about two weeks to grow a scoby from scratch. Um, so the liquid used to grow that starter will be too vinegary to drink on its own, but you can use it to start your first batch. Or if you don't want to, because it's a bit gross and it freaks you out, it's a good household cleaner. So don't throw it away. Mm. Um, yes. So that's how you make your scoby. And obviously you need that to start brewing your own kombucha. Um, 
But I also found some nice um, ideas online on how to use extra score because you don't need the whole lot to brew your first batch of kombucha. So again, mm-hmm. going back to the whole sourdough starter thing, um, I remember a lot of friends when they were in lockdown and they had sourdough starters and they were making sourdough, they still had a lot of bits left. Um, and I remember seeing them making crumpets out of the remaining bits of starter that they had and they looked incredible. <laughs> they always looked like really thick and full of massive holes. They just looked like the best crumpets. Um, but yes, what magical things can you make with your extra scoby? Mm-hmm. Uh, it grows quickly, so you will have quite a lot. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, you can give some away to friends and get them in your kombucha growing gang. Um, but some people also create what's known as a scoby hotel, which is quite cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's basically a longer term storage option for keeping your extra starter for future use. Or if you're going to take a break in brewing kombucha, you can use your scoby hotel. Mm-hmm. I bet you can come up with some great names using puns for hotels. It's going to be stuff. I'm still stuck on Scooby Doo, but also I am now distracted by the, by the idea that this is a gang. <laughs> you <laughs> you described gang. kombucha gang, yeah, really threatening. <laughs> it's about as threatening as the gangs in West Side Story. I was going to say they're all going to be <laughs> clicking kombucha yeah. stuff at you. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're not going to make a hotel or you haven't got a kombucha gang. <laughs> still don't throw it in the trash it is edible and you can do lots of things with it uh some people make jerky out of it Mm -hmm. um so they cut that scoby into strips and add their favorite spices or flavorings and then use a dehydrator or you can just put it on parchment paper um and put it in an overnight oven with the pilot light on maybe not overnight that worries me i don't i'm not telling people to leave their oven on overnight (laughs) Um, but you're, yeah, put no, it on. You're, you're, you're better off using one of those dehydrators. Yeah, get a, get get a dehydrator. Yeah. I've dehydrated fruit before, but now I'm mm. going to have to try Scooby. Who am I kidding? I'm not going to make Scooby. You're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, once you've put it in your dehydrator, uh, you can eat it as jerky or some people add it to salads or um, like a snack trail mix type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Scooby smoothies are a thing. Um, incorporate into your smoothies um, you can use it to thicken or blend with fruit I also found somebody online making ice pops out of their scoby mm. um, vegan leather can be made out of scoby um, so combine the puree with fruit and herbs or spices then spread it onto parchment paper or again into dehydration sheets and dry it out till it's no longer sticky and it turns into a leather like uh, material um scoby energy balls you can turn your starter into a snack by combining the scoby puree with oats nuts dried fruit nut butters scoop it into balls and go wild with ideas cookie dough chocolate date balls whatever they'll keep in the fridge for several weeks if you don't eat them all straight away (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) gummy sweets you can make um You can use make, uh, chewy, like pro- probiotic gummies or so healthy sweets. There's lots of different methods uh, online for that, using he- honey, maple syrup, whatever kind of sugars you want to use. This one is where it starts to get interesting. A savoury application for your scoby is homemade sushi. So the kombucha starters has a similar texture to raw squid, and that can be used for sushi rolls or other seafood recipes. 
Um, if you are going to use it for sushi, omit the vinegar from the rice because it's already quite tangy. So add mm. some crisp, fresh flavours to kind of complement that, like cucumber and mint and stuff like mm. that. <clears throat> if you don't fancy eating it because it looks a little bit strange, you can give it to your dogs. Um, <laughs> one guy online had made kind of like a doggy jerky to give to their dogs. So he'd added like a stock cube to season it before drying it out and his dogs love it. Um, last but not least, um, because it's got such a high concentration of probiotics, it's a great idea to add it to your soil in the garden. Um, it's got great nutrients. It's good for the acidity. Um, so you can add it directly or you can puree it. Um, just put it near the base of your plants or add to your compost pile. Uh, but make sure you cover it with dirt because it will attract animals and bugs. So there you have it. Lots of ways to either make kombucha or make a starter or get, yeah, new January hobby, guys, that I'm definitely not going to do because I'm lazy. <laughs> Basically, eat it or wear it. Eat it or um, wear it or chuck it in the yeah, garden. You're chucking the garden or in your dogs. Uh, I believe that, um, I think that's what Stella McCartney is doing with her um, her leathers. She's, I know it's mushroom leather. I think it's probably scoby that she's been using for it. Or something of that variety. It, it would make fun. sense, doesn't it? it? Like, that's a perfect brand partnership, is a massive kombucha brand using their leftovers mm. starter to kind of yeah. make vegan leather. Exactly. Mm. Uh, there's also, um, there's a term I want to make sure you're aware of. Um, you know, when you mentioned the process whereby you um, you mix up a new batch, but then you you put it with some previously fermented kombucha tea. Mm-hmm. So you don't just do one where you, you mix it with some that you've already done before. That lowers the pH. Um, that technique is known as backslopping. No, <laughs> I'm I sad thought. I didn't come across that one in my research. <laughs> <laughs> Choice of words. Um, yeah, exactly. Just want to make sure you knew about backslopping. Um, what about that? You you know you said there are some health claims now. Are you going to myth bust those or do I need to address it? Um, <laughs> I've, I've got a few myths to bust. Yeah, I have. Okay, go on then. Um, okay, let's go with it. <laughs> Myth busting number one. Kombucha is high in caffeine. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, it only has about a third the amount of caffeine as compared to tea. Um so during the fermentation process, the bacteria and yeast actually consume a lot of the caffeine. Um, so it leaves a residual amount. As a general kind of standard, if the tea you're brewing your kombucha in has 30 milligrams of caffeine, the final kind of product of your kombucha will have around 10 milligrams of caffeine. So if you're kind of caffeine sensitive or trying to cut down in the evenings, I know a lot of people do, kombucha isn't going to, it's still got caffeine in it, but it's not like having a cup of tea. So mm-hmm. depends how much caffeine you are okay with drinking. Myth number two, kombucha is bad for people with diabetes. Um, in reality, in small amounts, kombucha could actually be good for people with diabetes. Um, so everybody knows anything with sugar, including kombucha, it's got a bit of sugar in it, um, consumed in excess is not going to be good for anyone that's diabetic. Um, but there are a few reasons why kombucha is set apart as being beneficial for diabetics. 
Um, firstly, it typically has around 3.5 grams of sugar per 100 mils, which is a third in comparison to your typical kind of juices and pressed fruit drinks. It also has acet- acetic, acetic acid. Acetic, yeah. Acetic, acetic acid. Um, that's the acid that's um, popular, popularized apple cider vinegar as a health drink. Um, it's known to prevent blood sugar spikes by improving insulin sensitivity to a high carbohydrate diet. Um, in fact, a study done on rats in 2012 showed that when they were given kombucha tea over a 30-day period, their blood sugars were shown to be lower than rats given normal black tea. Um, so that's shown that it can reduce sugar spikes and also improve liver kidney response. So in a sensible diet, kombucha can be good for people with diabetes. Myth number three, we have touched upon this, uh, kombucha is alcoholic. <laughs> um, and as you said, it contains less, generally it contains less than 0.5% alcohol, thus considered non-alcoholic. Um, but being a fermented tea, it obviously requires some sugar to kickstart the fermentation. In the first few days, the bacteria gets active and breaks down the sugar into alcohol. This alcohol is then used by the yeast to produce the organic acids that make kombucha super duper healthy. Um, During this process of conversion, trace amounts of ethanol are left behind, which gives it that sub 0.5 alcohol content. And as you mentioned, they're a lot more strict with it now. (laughs) Um, But if you are looking to get drunk with kombucha, (laughs) you can use it as a mixer, make some great cocktails. I found some online, a gin berry kombucha cocktail. Sounds delish. Um, But there are actually alcoholic versions of kombucha out there now. Um, Quite a few brands doing it. So obviously I did the research for us, so you don't have to (laughs) go Googling it. Um, I found some crazy sounding ones in the US. But I'll start with the UK first because people might want to get it. Um, Happy Jays was one I found, which is mint and lime or mango and ginger alcoholic kombucha. And that's uh, 4% ABV. And there's also a UK brand called Boozy Butcher. They do a cheeky pineapple or a berry mischievous option that's also 4% ABV. But over in the US, it's like the Wild West. They're doing what they want. Mm. <laughs> There's one yes, called <laughs> um, Booch and Craft uh, Grapefruit Hibiscus uh, Kombucha, which is 7% ABV. Um, the most tasty found in Sunday one I found was June Shine. <laughs> uh, it's coconut, pineapple, orange, and nutmeg. Sounds very nice. That's 6% ABV. Then I found a really crazy one, um, Dr. Hops. Um, they've got loads of different flavours, but they've also got ones that are kind of like an IPA. They've got one that's like a rosé wine. They've got one that's like an IPA. And then they also have like more kombucha-esque ones, which is a ginger and lime and strawberry and mm-hmm. lemon. But those range from 9% to 11%. <laughs> so... Be careful, because they were in quite big cans as well. So mm. per- perhaps that's going to be like the new Four loco in the US, is the IPA and rosé kombucha in a can. <laughs> yes, I predicted it well. The one, the one, uh, the brand that I've got, actually, they do have a hops kombucha. It's not alcoholic, though, but they have used hops to flavour it. So it's kind of like mm. an extra tangy, sour, non-alcoholic beer. 
Yeah, I, I did read like this Dr. Hops one. They said, you know, if you've never had kombucha before and you're a beer drinker, just drink that. <laughs> it's like it's such <laughs> a juxtaposition. It's like if you've never had kombucha before and you drink beer, just stick to the beer. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you don't need to. You don't need to do that. Um, myth number four: kombucha should be consumed only in small quantities. Um, in reality, it's entirely dependent on how you feel. Trust your gut. Um, I mean, if you Google it, you'll get a generic response. And it's generally, if it's your first time, <laughs> <laughs> if it's your first time, 150 millimeters, milliliters and no more. Um, but it's an arbitrary number. It depends on a lot of things. Your existing gut microbiome, your gut health. Um, right, it's the same thing as saying, if you suffer with acidosis, maybe don't drink vinegar. <laughs> it, it's basically the same thing. It's not like kombucha is has that kind of special level of acidity. Anything no. acidic should not be consumed in large amounts if you suffer with an acid stomach. Yeah, <laughs> I guess just try it and see. Some people drink it as a kind of nice way to wind the day down, but then other people will say, I don't want any caffeine before bed, so... Mm-hmm. Trust your gut, go for it, drink a load. <laughs> um, myth number five, kombucha makes you lose weight. Um, you hear that a lot, I think, because it's, you know, good for your gut health and it's a superfood, yada, yada, yada. Lots of people jump on it and say that it helps you lose weight, but in reality, it's bullshit. Being in a calorie deficit makes you lose weight, <laughs> not a magic drink. <laughs> so that would quickly I've never it. heard that, to be honest. <laughs> But I'm probably not the target market for that kind of message. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, next myth, kombucha must always be refrigerated. Um, so traditionally, foods were fermented for preservation to increase the lifespan. Um, so during the process of fermentation, the pH of kombucha drops to a range of 2.5 to 3.5. And, um, and it's at that pH that pathogens fail to germinate and grow, making kombucha. Um, it's then safe to consume without any preservatives. So you'd think that you could just keep it on the shelf and it'll be fine, right? Yes, technically it is. But you'll find that on most kombucha labels or cans, um, they recommend storing it in the refrigerator. And it's all down to taste. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be bad for you or going to hurt your gut. It just means that by keeping it on a shelf it will continue to ferment whereas when you put it in a fridge the bacteria and the yeast they go dormant so they put any fermentation to a halt it can be left out indefinitely and it wouldn't go stale or bad for you but it's gonna taste a lot more kind of fermented so well it'll well yeah and it depends what's still alive i mean if it's if the yeast is still fermenting into alcohol then the it could get boozy yeah that, well, it could get busy, but then also if the bacteria is still going, that will just then convert it into acetic acid. So you yeah. will end up just drinking vinegar. Yeah, it's not going to taste great. So but... don't, I would say that's not a myth. I would say do refrigerate your kombucha. <laughs> but I think, I guess, must always be refrigerated is what we wrote as the myth, I guess. Yeah, well, I think it will, it's otherwise, just... <laughs> otherwise it will turn into something undrinkable. But it's not going to harm you. It's just not going to taste very nice. <laughs> well, it will if you don't want to drink vinegar. <laughs> hey, you're talking to a girl that once drank pickle juice. Yeah, I know, that's your, <laughs> I know that's your preference. That's your preference. For most people, they'd rather not. 
Uh, next myth. <laughs> kombucha <laughs> is high in sugar. Uh, I think this myth comes from people who have like read how to make kombucha because you obviously have to put a lot of sugar in there. And mm-hmm. everyone's favorite enemy at the moment is sugar. So don't fret. A lot of the sugar that's put in there is not for you. <laughs> it's for the yeast. <laughs> the yeast needs to feed off it. Um, so that chunk of sugar that is put in for the fermentation is broken down by the bacteria. And that's obviously, as aforementioned, converted into alcohol, then converted by the yeast, yada, yada, yada. So it's all part of the process. By the end of the fermentation, the actual amount of sugar left is a bare minimum. As I mentioned, it's about a third the amount of sugar of a kind of smoothie that you'd buy off the shelf or fruit juice. Um, so yeah, I think that's all my myths that I found. Kombucha is a superfood, guys. <laughs> the, the only thing I will add is that... There actually haven't been any conclusive studies into its benefits. They're all mm-hmm. just kind of assumed. But I, I don't personally take that as a sign that it's not good for you. I think they just, I think there's a lot we don't understand about gut health. The only yeah. thing I would add that is definitely a risk. I think, as you say, like think about how it treats your guts when you drink it. Think about your stomach <laughs> or that sort of stuff. The only thing is there are risks with having low pH drinks that are stored in containers that um, are metal, that have heavy metals in them, because it will leach the heavy metals out, and that is toxic for you. So, yeah, avoid avoid kombucha that's been stored in metal is the only okay. kind of definite health study I've, say, I've seen. What about the boozy ones? Um, even if any, anything that's acidic, that has acetic acid in it, will leach heavy metals if it's mm. if it's surrounded by them. So you want acidic things to be stored in glass or plastic. Okay. Noted. I've got rid Mm -hmm. of my straw. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, You must know who Kombucha Girl is. No. Oh, I thought thought you would would talk about this. Um, This is... You'll know when I describe it then. This is the meme of the woman who's trying kombucha for the first time. She recorded it like on her on her TikTok, a tasting kombucha. And there's a still of her looking sort of confused and a bit <laughs> sort of unsure as to what she's just put in her mouth. And then a couple of seconds later, her head's tilted the other way and she's smiling and her eyebrows are raised as if to go, actually, that's not bad. <laughs> so it's used a lot in situations whereby you've got something which is perhaps a bit rubbish, but then a good flip side to it mm-hmm. or something that, you know, is is better as, as time goes on. So uh, her name is Brittany Broski. That's her, um, that's her, her performer name. So she's American uh, social media person. And um, she uploaded this video in August of 2019. And it was kind of one of the big ones of that year. Can you believe I'm talking about a social media meme, by the way? That, like, Can you believe I, I've just had to Google it. <laughs> Can <laughs> you, you believe you've it? You've just had to Google something social media and you've just been talking about how SCOBY works. I mean, we got this the wrong way around, haven't we? <laughs> um, I so know what you mean, she, though. She, I see she, her now. Yeah, you see yeah. it, you recognise it. Yeah. yeah. So she uploaded it to TikTok in 2019. And uh, at the time, she was working in a trust and investment services bank. And uh, she got fired from there after her boss discovered the kombucha video and said um, it would put the company in jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> because God. it was being used for all these sorts of hilarious memes. They're like, you can be a meme or you can be a licensed insurance agent, which she is. <laughs> and um, the following week, she moved to LA and decided to become a full-time meme. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, so she was tasting cherry cola flavored kombucha. Mm, and uh, yeah, uh, but it was originally the video was um, she was private on Twitter. It, she didn't have many followers, like it wasn't particularly engaged. And then one sassy person downloaded it and <laughs> uploaded it onto gay Twitter. No, <laughs> that's that's where it gays. exploded. <laughs> gay, gay Twitter took it and was like, "Yeah, this is great. We're going to use this." And then it and then it went viral very quickly. Um, got a f- got a few examples for you that you can picture. So the the <laughs> confused the sort of confused perturbed face first of all and then the mm, that's not bad face mm. comes second marriage margaritas <laughs> crossfit croissants <laughs> crying in the bathroom at work being paid to cry <laughs> <laughs> being spanked as a child being spanked as an adult <laughs> one more bonus fact about her she was in um uh, Super Bowl 54 advert for hummus. <laughs> All right. Doing that face or as you branched yeah, basically, out? Basically, just tasting Sabra hummus in an advert for the Super Bowl. <laughs> social media weird. Oh. All because all because of the confusing taste of kombucha. Mm. Um, I thought I'd tell you about some sort of kombucha adjacent drinks. Okay. Uh, to round it out. So the first one is kvass. Um... The word kvass is Proto-Indo-European, which just means to become sour. And it's a fermented cereal-based, low-alcoholic beverage um, with a cloudy appearance, light brown colour, sweet sour taste. So it's kind of, it's similar in profile to kombucha. And then you would flavour it with berries and fruits and herbs and honey, all the usual stuff. Mm. And it comes from the northeastern part of Europe, where the grain production was insufficient for beer, um, so beer couldn't be the, like this daily drink, it was just a celebratory drink, and this would be more like the daily version they would have. So it's it's made from a mash obtained from rye bread or rye flour, which obviously grows better in those colder climates, and malt that's been soaked in hot water and fermented for about 12 hours with sugar and um, yeast at room temperature. Um, in, the, in the industrial methods of it, it's produced from wort and concentrates combined with various grain mixtures and it's very popular in Russia, Ukraine, Poland, Baltic countries, uh, Finland and also some parts of China. So it's quite interesting like these these drinks where kombucha was popular in China and they came through northern Europe and down. This is like the version that started in northern Europe and went over to China. Um, The first written mention of it was um, the description of Vladimir the Great's baptism in the year 996 CE, when kvass, along with mead and food, was given out to the citizens of Kiev. And um, it, it was um, it was made in, in households. It was very much kind of like, a, this is what we drink every day we make in our, our homes, until the 19th century. And then in the second half of the 19th century, there was a lot more military action across that region. There was industrialization, um, large-scale product uh, projects like the Trans-Siberian Railway. And when you have like a, a big 
mobilize force of people whether it's military or doing something like building the railway it means you need to supply people with foodstuffs for longer periods of time so the commercial kvass uh, producers began appearing across the russian empire at that time um, and they would specialize in different raw ingredients there were more than 150 different varieties of kvass such as apple and pear and mint and lemon and chicory and raspberry and cherry um, mm. they all sound rather delicious um, and then the commercial kvass producers, in addition to supplying um, those workers, would start selling it in barrels on the streets. And that meant that really the domestic production of kvass declined because it was it was so affordable, so there wasn't as much point in, t- uh, in doing it. It is still seen as a Soviet and even ex-Soviet state patriotic alternative to Western soft drinks, or as they would put it, anti-colonisation. It's a great pub. Um, (laughs) But of course, Coca-Cola was having none of that. So they launched their own version of Kvass in 2008. um, And that was kind of like one of their big steps into Russia. Uh, It is consumed all over Northern Europe under slightly different names, but you probably recognise it. Except maybe in Sweden, where it is known as Brudrika, which means bread drink. (laughs) Okay. I could drink bread. Yeah, it makes me think of um, bread sauce. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, so obviously it's a traditional peasant drink, you know, because it's cheap. It's leftovers. It's bits of rye, um, and it's also used as a cheap base for soups in some regions as well. There is a reference to it in Tolstoy's War and Peace, where the French soldiers, <laughs> who are perhaps not as familiar with this, um, encounter kvass when they enter Moscow. And they do enjoy the taste of it, but they do also refer to it as pig's lemonade. Oh, God. <laughs> Which does feel like a French reaction. Uh, <laughs> the UK only really caught on to it around 2004, when the EU had really enlarged at that time, and then we, we got a lot of subsequent immigration. So there were lots of these specialist you know, stores popping up and kvass being stocked in, in corner shops. Um, but it didn't get produced domestically here until 2019. So very recently, can you only get British kvass? I'm guessing that's because by then all the immigrants had left. <laughs> and they were like, where's our kvass gone? Um, yeah, so that's kvass. Um, another similar drink is Posca. But Posca is an old drink. It was ancient Roman made um, by mixing wine vinegar and water. So pretty bracing, less nutritious and palatable than wine. It was mm. typically a drink for soldiers and the lower classes and slaves, people who wouldn't have been allowed wine, at least not on the regular. It's like wine um, squash. <laughs> it's kind of like bad wine squash. Because <laughs> we know, you know, Greeks put water in their wine anyway, and that would have been tasty because the wine was strong. But this is like vinegary wine squash, yeah. Mm. Uh, the word posca is derived either from Latin potter to drink or from the Greek um, epoxos, which means very sharp. Possibly a combination of both, I suppose. Um, the there's a lot of mentions of it um, in ancient sources from so from natural history, our friend Pliny the Elder. Uh, it's in comedies of Plautus. When they were on campaigns, generals and emperors and, and you know people of higher ranks would generally try to show their solidarity with the common soldiers by drinking posco with them. So we've got examples of that from Cato the Elder, from uh, Hadrian, and there was even a decree in. Um, 360 CE that ordered lower ranks of the army should drink posca and wine on alternate days. 
So they were allowed wine, but only every other day. Otherwise, they had to drink Posca. Um, That's kind you... of what I had to do to myself in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Find, find a simple alternative for the days in between. Um, have you heard of the Holy Sponge? <laughs> Any guesses? Is that like a chat up line or...? <laughs> Very much not. Um, so the Holy Sponge is a lesser known, I would say, relic from the crucifixion of Jesus. So you'll have heard probably of like scraps of the of the cross um, being, um, uh, you know, like shown in churches around the world or even like bits of the, uh, the spear or the cloth on which his um, blood was spilled. I'd never heard of this before, but there was a sponge as, as part of um, what went on in the crucifixion. And um, the sponge was used to soak up some posca and was given to Jesus to drink while he was on the cross. And um, now lots of churches claim that they have that sponge or a piece of that sponge. So um, <laughs> take your pick as to which one you believe is real, if any of them. But yeah, I didn't know that. Um, posca was offered to Jesus on the cross and was given to him, soaked up through a sponge. I'd like <clears throat> to think that Jesus called his uh, kombucha starter the the holy sponge. <laughs> yeah, the 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 holy what was it the holy mother of vinegar? The holy scoby. Mother Mother Mary <laughs> Mother Mary of scoby. Um, <laughs> let's not do any more of that because uh, <laughs> that's that's offensive. Um, and just to let you know, you're not the only one who's getting um, metal poisoning. The oh, good. Ancient Romans used to boil soured wine to produce a sweet syrup called sapper. Um, and that was done in lead pots, which obviously were then rich in lead acetate. Um, and they would call that sweet substance sugar of lead or sugar of satin. Because mm-hmm. uh, they didn't realise, obviously, that lead was poisonous. And it, it led to a lot of lead poisoning, specifically among the Roman aristocracy, which I sort of feel serves them right for making the uh, slaves drink Posca. And they're like, we're going to have the sweet version. And it's like, well, actually, one of those versions <laughs> is actually is quite good for you. And the other one really isn't, because lead poisoning is no joke. <laughs> wow, that is ultimate karma. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Uh, another one that's uh, that's adjacent to kombucha, I think, is kefir. Heard mm-hmm. of kefir? Yes, I have. It's a fermented milk drink, which mm-hmm. is you know, similar to a thin yogurt. And that is also created by the symbiosis of acetic acid bacteria and yeasts, or SCOBY, as we might say. Um, but with milk instead of tea and made usually overnight at an ambient temperature. So this drink, um, also Northern Europe, the North Caucasus to be specific. Um, and then from there it spreads throughout Europe and to the US and it's prepared by inoculating milk um, of cows and goats and sheep um, uh, in different regions with kefir grains, they call them. But it is essentially the same as scoby, but they, they will look different. So they form these little clumps that look like cauliflower. Hmm. Um, it, kefir it comes from the um, Russian, probably, probably ultimately from Old Turkic, um, which means froth but like milk froth specifically copper um and it would have been made traditionally in goat skin bags and what they would do is hang it near a doorway so the bags would be knocked by anyone who was passing through and that kept the milk and the kefir grains mixed which i think is kind of ingenious <laughs> it, rather it than thinking me, oh i need to... it gives me um home alone vibes <laughs> 
chips. <laughs> I think it's handy if there's something you've got to stir a lot, you know, like a risotto, maybe put it near a doorway where it's going to get knocked a lot. <laughs> um, so it's known as kefir in most places, but where um, it has become popular in Latin America, for some reason, I don't know why, it's known as bulgaros, which just means Bulgarians. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's very popular as an affordable health drink in Northern Europe, and it's consumed at any time of the day and very often with savoury pastries like burek or, or something like that. Mm. Um, however, milk sugar is not essential for this to work, for the kefir grains um, to do their thing. So you can use suitable alternatives like uh, rice milk, like soy milk. Um, so they will change in their appearance and their size because they're working with different proteins, but you will still get a kefir drink. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a variation as well of the kefir drains that will thrive just in sugary water rather than in a milk. And in that scenario, it's known as tibikos. So tibikos cultures are found around the world and no two are the same. It, it's pretty much like, oh yeah, yeasts are different all around the world. So you're going to get different versions of kefir water. Uh, the origins of it are unknown, uh, but we do know that the Tibicos grains form as hard little granules on the pads of the Opuntia cactus found in Mexico, which we Ooh. spoke about not very long ago at all when we were doing Peru. Um, and all the delicious things you can get from that. So yet another mm. plus one point for the Opuntia. <laughs> um, so these granules, you can you can take them off that and then reconstitute them in sugar, water, and then propagate your little uh, Tipikos grains and, and reuse them. They're also known as Tibi. Um, they're also known... There's a big list of things they're known as here. Here we go. Water kefir grains, sugar kefir grains, Japanese water crystals, California bees. There's a lot of bees mm. because I think it... Like, in these scenarios, yeah. they'll put some honey in as well. Um, African bees, Australian bees, ginger bees, vinegar bees, bees. Japanese beer seeds, <laughs> beer seeds, beer plant, ale nuts, eternity grains, and balm of Gilead. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that just says for how uh, ubiquitous it is that it has so many different names. Uh, mm-hmm. The basic preparation method is you, you add... Your little typical grains into sugary liquid you ferment for 24 to 48 hours it's kept at room temperature if it's you know at the slightly warmer range then the fermentation period is shortened and you might put in some citrus fruit uh, along with the water would be the most typical thing so i've seen kind of pictures of it where the culture's floating at the bottom there's water and then there's some citrus fruit floating on top uh, some ingredients inhibit fermentation. I know this is true if you're if you're developing your scoby at home as well. You don't want chlorinated tap water because that is going to inhibit it. So if you are making these things at home, you're going to want to get some nice um, spring water or mineral water. Or something I I now have a really in. really nice mineral water. <laughs> I don't know a single one. I've never. Heard of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, um, do avoid dried fruit as a flavouring because they're often preserved with sulfites and that will inhibit it as well. So go with go with um, uh, fresh fruits. Um, they will also um, uh, uh, avoid um, introducing any metals, as I've already said a couple of times now. So they will react with aluminium, copper, zinc, 
Um, you don't want any of that stuff in there. It will damage the cultures and probably yourself as well. So always use plastic, ceramics, as long as they're lead free. Glass containers are the best as well. And then when you're, you know, mixing it or serving it, make sure you're using plastic or wooden utensils as well. I've got an excuse now to get one of those um, bougie glass straws it's to drink mm. my kombucha. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I've got one more thing I was going to mention about kombucha before we wrap up um have have you seen i won't do any spoilers but have you seen the um sequel to knives out glass onion no okay so i watched i watched the sequel over christmas when it came out it's very good by the way it's it's a great film um Mm -hmm. but in it there's a there's a joke um because they're all like these they're all like these these douchey libertarians on an island um and they've got you know more money than culture and sense and they um as at the beginning of the film they're all sitting around the pool drinking jared leto's hard kombucha (laughs) 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 along with like jeremy renner's hot sauce they have at some point like they just make up these celebrity endorsed um products (laughs) so the kombucha one is a nine percent um alcoholic kombucha I mean, created, created supposedly by Jared Leto. That's it doesn't exist, by the way. It is fictional, it, but it's it just, could totally exist. I would not be surprised yeah. if I could buy that. <laughs> it could absolutely exist, and I think after this film, we are going to see. When you said earlier, oh, there might be a rise in um, alcoholic kombuchas in the US. I think this might be partly responsible for it as well. But it's <laughs> funny because it, what is essentially a throwaway joke at the beginning does kind of develop into a plot point. Um, and it's based around the idea that we said earlier, um, whereby people presume that kombucha is going to be non-alcoholic, but that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, I predict that we uh, we may see that. If Jared Leto doesn't launch it himself, he's missing a trick, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Are you, um, uh, you, you, you going to can... start making yours? No, I'm, I'm not going to make an alcoholic kombucha, but I might experiment with some cocktails uh yeah. for it i mean you've mentioned a couple i i have one before that goes well which is um to put it with tequila and pineapple which essentially i think is yeah. craig david's hard kombucha isn't it <laughs> craig david craig david um, I, so we know tequila and pineapple is craig david i couldn't find that one in the u.s i think it was um june shine that sounded so good the coconut pineapple and nutmeg one sounded tasty mm. i might try and somehow create that i'm sure there's a a pineapple one i can find somewhere and Good. i can add some coconut water and nutmeg i feel like we've managed to um get through the sort of dry january phase of everything now and bring it back to okay we're ready to make controversial cocktails again now i do have a beer um on the table because <laughs> i thought <laughs> if i if i finish this kombucha before we finish talking about it mm. i am gonna open a beer <laughs> well on that note um so our glasses have run dry which means it's time to get our kvasses out of here cheers everybody cheers <laughs> i am gonna open a beer you are gonna open a beer of course you are Can always hear me sing in this song Show me the way to go home